This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? I'm Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Disney Wish this week. Yeah, Disney's latest ship, the LNG ship based out of Port Canaveral, currently doing three and four night sailings. Kristen stops by to give her review a little later on in the show. Richard is on deck with Cruise News. Busy, busy week out there, especially here in Florida with uh, Ian coming ashore just to the south of us. Well, pretty far southwest of us, but making its way across the state. Looking out the window right now, it's a nasty, rainy and about 30, 35 mile an hour gust out there. Palm trees start in the bend. So we have that. And don't forget about cruise news today. The three things you need to know every Monday through Friday. You can find them just opposite of this channel or on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. All right, staff writer Richard Sims. Hey, buddy. Hey, Doug. How are you? Boy, what an active tropical season, huh? It really is. And, you know, this is something we talk about a lot, that you have to be prepared if you book a cruise for this time of year, that you might see your itinerary change or your cruise actually canceled entirely. And that's what we're seeing now, because as Hurricane Ian barrels down on Florida, you know, the several of the ports are closed and we've already seen some cancellations and we'll probably see more in the days to come. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of them and to make sure you're getting the most up-to-date information from us, because anything I say here could be wrong by tomorrow, is to go over to the site Cruise Radio, and there is a story there that will contain all the latest information. We will constantly update it as far as any cancellations. Um, right now, there are four or five ships that are seeing cancellations. If there is a bright side to cruising during hurricane season, it is that sometimes you get an extra day or two at sea. That's happening with four or five ships right now that are out in the storm. They're sta- to, in order to stay sort of behind the storm, they're having to change their itineraries, which means not coming back when they were scheduled to. And that means people on board are getting an extra day or two. That's at no charge to them. That is, you know, and a lot of times, it depends cruise line to cruise line, but a lot of times you'll see them also extend, like if you have the internet package, because they know people have to sort of rearrange their whole schedule and get online to find new flights or let people back home know that that you know they're not going to be there. Extend your dog walker, whatever. So there can be a bright side, but the downside is that the people who were expecting to get on that on those ships on Thursday are not going to be able to because the ships are not going to be there. So uh, several of them will be canceled. This goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway because I've been seeing people venting and I understand frustration. The cruise lines don't have any control over the weather. So saying you're not going to sail Royal Caribbean again or saying you're not going to sail Carnival again because they canceled the cruise, like what? You want them to do, right? No, something is serious when Disney World is shutting down for two days. You know, I mean, it's going to happen. And our natural instinct is as human beings to vent and to say, oh, my God, I can't believe I've been waiting a year for my vacation and you canceled it. And what we don't tend to do is think, you know, hey, maybe this is a really good thing because I might have wound up sailing in potentially dangerous weather, although they're very good about avoiding that. But you might have had 
a week of rough seas. You might have had a week of nothing but rain. So, yeah, it's, you know, obviously the cruise lines don't want to do this. It throws them off completely. I mean, they're going to lose revenue from those cruises that they have to cancel. And it's just, you know, it creates havoc. They also have to make good to the people who uh, were canceled. A lot of times they end up giving them not only a full refund, but like, you know, say maybe a 25% future cruise credit. Nobody wants this. And so to say that because they canceled your cruise, because, you know, they didn't want to sail you into a hurricane is it's just sort of a a borderline childish reaction, honestly. (laughs) So it looks like some more vaccinations have dropped for one country and two more cruise lines. Yeah, actually more than two now, because when we first talked about this, it was uh, it was Disney and Costa, but now Norwegian has also done it. And we're talking about trips to Canada. Uh, so the government of Canada announced that it's removing all COVID-19 restrictions as far as testing and quarantine and things like that for those entering Canada. This takes place, as far as Canada is concerned, effective October 1st. Uh, this is a huge deal for cruisers on a few levels, not the least of which is that it's the first step toward folks being able to sail to Canada without having to test before boarding. Now, it's important to remember that just because Canada is making this change does not mean that all cruise lines are. Several are, as we know, you know, like Disney, Costa, NCL, but that doesn't mean that all lines are or that all lines have to. The cruise lines obviously can decide that it's in their own best interest to keep testing in place. It doesn't seem likely that any will. You know, um, there's 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 so much more for them to gain by not doing this. Mainly, you know, people st- stop complaining about having to test and the added cost and all of that. I won't be surprised if within the next, you know, say two weeks – Basically, every cruise line sailing out of the United States has dropped the requirement when sailing to Canada. And we'll probably see other countries follow suit. It's, you know, it's the world is basically saying, okay, this is over. Okay, so to recap, Canada drops their vaccination entry requirements uh, as of October 1st, and so do a lot of cruise lines going into Canada. And then separately, Disney Cruise Line and Costa Cruises both dropping those mandates like the other cruise lines, basically. Yeah. And it's important to note that while they are dropping these mandates, and this means that, you know, you don't have to do pre-cruise testing if you are vaccinated. This is for vaccinated guests. Unvaccinated guests will still need for most lines to take a pre-cruise test. There are rules. There are restrictions. For example, Disney is going to be requiring all guests, regardless of their vaccination status, to use um, the Inspire Diagnostics Safe Passage website. Say that three times real fast in order to upload the appropriate documentation. And that's true whether you're vaccinated and you're you know, uploading your proof of vaccination or whether you're unvaccinated and you're uploading your timely test results. So as we try to drill into people's heads every week, no matter what, make sure you know what the specific protocols in place are, not just for your cruise line, but for your particular cruise, because you don't want to get to the uh, port and find out you don't have what you need. And Carnival Luminosa is officially sailing. Well, kind of. It is. It's sailing. I mean, it's safe to say it's sailing, but it is not sailing with passengers on board right now. Um, Now, you'll remember that uh, Luminosa is the ship that's leaving, one of two ships that's leaving the Costa fleet and joining Carnival Cruise Line. So she got her new livery and her funnel colors, although she's not getting the official whale tail. She'll have, like, you know, the same 
uh, standard sort of uh, cone that she had when she was sailing as Costa Luminosa, but it will have the carnival colors. So she got all that done while in dry dock, and the ship is also now, for the first time, sailing under a Bohemian flag. As Luminosa, the ship was registered in Portugal, but whilst now that it's sailing with Carnival, it's changed its registration. You know, that's the kind of thing that most people won't even know or notice, but it's kind of a fun little fact. So where they're going now is they're heading to Dubai, where they will pick up their crew, get them on board, and then the ship can start heading to Australia. And while it's making its way to Australia, you know, the ship, the, the crew can get familiar with their new home. Um, she'll sail out of Australia from November until April of next year, and then the ship will move to Seattle and begin doing sailings to Alaska. So, yeah, the ship is sailing, crew on board, and they should be getting to know everything. And Port St. John has welcomed its three millionth cruise passenger, or will, later on today. Yeah, actually, you're right. That's happening today. It was Back in 1989, that the Canard Princess became the first cruise ship to ever call on St. John. What's kind of cool here is it wasn't actually supposed to. It was sort of an accident. The ship was supposed to go to Bermuda, but there was a hurricane. Hey, <laughs> even back then, there were hurricanes. And that forced an itinerary change. So they became the first official ship to – large ship to call on uh, St. John. So now, flash forward to today, Thursday, and the island is welcoming its three millionth guest. That's a pretty decent milestone to celebrate, and they'll be doing so with a big fireworks celebration, assuming, of course, that, you know, the weather cooperates, uh, which, given that there's a hurricane going on, it's not a given. They'll also present the three millionth guest with a special gift basket. Now, truth be told, it's probably not going to be the official three millionth guest. I don't know if they have a way of like, you know, knowing, you know, like somebody standing there with a ticker, especially with more than one ship being in port. But the three millionth guest will be getting like a special, you know, gift basket. I'm sure they'll have a little ceremony kind of thing. That guest will be sailing on one of three ships. It'll either be the Norwegian Breakaway, the Norwegian Joy, or Royal Caribbean's Voyager of the Sea, because those are the three ships that are visiting St. John on Thursday. So someone on one of those ships is going to be the lucky three millionth visitor to St. John. And it's time to say goodbye to a former celebrity cruise ship. Yeah, add the celebrity zenith to the list of ships I will never get a chance to sail. Uh, fun fact that nobody will care about except me, I think this might have been the first cruise ship I ever actually saw in person because Zenith used to sail out of New York City mm -hmm. doing runs to Bermuda. This was back in like the early 2000s, so it was right around the time that I was I was first moving there. So I could have jumped on board, but... That was a few years before I discovered my love of cruising. In 2003, the ship moved from New York down to your neck of the woods to start sailing out of Jacksonville. Eventually, Zenith wound up being transferred to, I never pronounced this right, Palmentor? Palmentor? Uh, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Well, anyway, they got it got transferred over there in 2007. Uh, about a decade later, the ship was supposed to be taken over by the Peace Boat people, but that didn't go so well thanks to the shutdown. So now the ship is sadly in India about to be scrapped, you know, where, where all of our ships eventually end up sadly so yeah kind of uh, kind of a sad day listener question here it says when is the deadline for buying travel insurance during hurricane season well okay frankly 
you should buy travel insurance as soon as you purchase your trip if you're fairly sure you're going. I mean, if you put a deposit down and you're not really sure whether you're going to take that trip or not, that's one thing. But if you know ahead of time, you know, like even if it's a year ahead of time, you know you're going to you've booked this trip and you're going buy travel insurance because everybody should have travel insurance, period. But when it comes to hurricanes, that's a very specific situation. Um, you know, you the thing you don't want to do, let's say you were sailing this week and you you waited until the very last minute to get your insurance. You might be told, in fact, you will be told no if the hurricane has been named. You have to buy your travel insurance, you know, while it's still a tropical storm or a tropical depression or even a rumored, you know, it might be a hurricane. Once that hurricane has been named, you can no longer buy trip insurance that is going to cover you in the case of a hurricane cancellation. Because, you know, a lot of people might try and do that. You know, they might say, let's say, let's say the the that Hurricane Ian was named today and you were supposed to be sailing next week. Um, you might run out and be like, oh, I'm gonna buy some travel insurance and then cancel my when they cancel my cruise it'll be covered by this well so no you can't do that you definitely have to have that insurance and the policy all taken care of and paid off and everything before the storm is actually or before the hurricane is actually named all right staff writer richard sims as always thank you my friend as always glad to be here have a question or a comment for the show yeah Send an email or voice memo to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. The world is constantly changing. Your place for news is still the same. Online and on demand at cruiseradio.net. Kristen and her two daughters just returned from a cruise on Disney Cruise Line's newest ship, Disney Wish. It was a three-night cruise over to the Bahamas, Nassau, and Castaway. Kristen joins us on the line to talk all about it. How you doing, Kristen? Doug, so good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to talk all about Disney Wish, our very first Wish Review for the show before we get to the ship. As we always do, we're going to take a step back. Give us some pre-cruise thoughts. You're up in North, is it North Dakota or South Dakota? So close, South Dakota. All right. kind of all blends. Yeah, you're in the Dakotas. Yeah, so what made you want to take this sailing on Disney Wish? Disney Wish. We are a huge Disney family. We love Disney. Had never cruised on a Disney cruise line. It's been a dream of ours to do. We've cruised on other lines before and Instagram kept throwing things at me about the new Disney Wish. And so I looked at possible dates, found a really good last minute sailing that was a three night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, come back to port on Monday. It was four or five days before my girls started school. I checked my schedule. I checked the price. Stars aligned. We booked with only, I want to say, 10 to 12 days 
out from the cruise. It was a very last minute. I wonder if we could make this work. I wonder if there'd be a reasonable airline um, flights. And it just, it happened. That is so cool. And you also, you told me a story off the air here. And if you don't mind sharing it, how you actually surprised your daughters with this sailing. Absolutely. My husband had a busy work week that week and had said, hey, if you could take the girls somewhere to kind of get out of my hair, um, it would be really great to have the whole weekend just to power through work. And I said, no problem. So I sat my girls down. I said, girls, where should we go? And they both agreed Kansas City would be a great destination. And so I had them believing for over a week that we were absolutely going to Kansas City, got to the airport, got to the gate agent before my girls got up to the counter gate agent played along. Um, She was like, girls, we're so happy to have you on our flight today to Kansas City. Here's your boarding tickets to Kansas City. Got through security, got to her gate. And I had scheduled through Disney, a complimentary perk of sailing on the Disney Wish, is you can schedule a pre-cruise call with the characters. So I chose Mickey and Minnie. I chose the time knowing that we would board at 730 I had scheduled this pre-recorded call to come in at 7.15. I told my girls that Grammy was going to call them to wish them well before we got on the plane. So I gave them each an earbud and I said, Grammy should call us any minute. The phone rang. It was Mickey and Minnie. They thought it was Grammy. And all of a sudden in their ears, it was the first of many magical experiences to say, can't wait (laughs) to see you on the Disney Wish tomorrow. (laughs) You're going to Orlando. It was awesome. Yeah, for sure. Now, did you fly in the day of? You said you flew out like around 7-ish. Was that in the morning or in the evening? Yeah, it was 7.30 a.m. was our departure time from South Dakota, and we flew in the day prior. So we flew in on Thursday. Because of storms in Florida, they diverted us to Fort Lauderdale, and then we finally did get to Orlando, stayed at the Orlando Marriott Hotel the night prior. They had a complimentary shuttle from the airport to the hotel, um, which worked out really lovely. And then the next morning, we took that same airport shuttle from the Marriott back to the airport where we picked up Disney transportation to Port Canaveral. Is that that Marriott right there on Cimarron? It's kind of like maybe five minutes from the airport, if that? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. It's a good property. So you make your way to the cruise pier. How was embarkation and how much pre-cruise information did you have to input before you actually got on board? Uh, Yeah, pre-cruise, I would say that there was a good 30 to 40 minutes of pre-cruise information that we had to go through all the, the prompts and the screens to upload COVID vaccination cards, photos of ourselves and, and different identification. And then we did have to COVID test Prior to getting on the boat, we took the shuttle from the airport through Disney Transportation. It was about $70 per person per way. Um, Got to the port. Because it's such a new ship, I think they're still working out the kinks. We got through the process quickly, but then waited in the cruise terminal for what seemed like forever. We were probably in the cruise terminal for 90 to 100 minutes before we could board the ship. Oh, wow. And is that just because you say working out the kinks? Was it like a a health checkpoint area that was taken long or what was the the holdup? I think it's staffing, to be honest, Doug. I think that they're still working on getting the ship fully staffed. And I think it's the turnaround time from how to get passengers off efficiently and quickly, how to, quote, flip the boat, and then 
open it back up to the guests with only have it's a three night sale followed by a four and then a three. So they're really flipping it mm-hmm. a lot. And yeah. I don't think that process is down. Gotcha. Quite. Yes. So you make your way on board at Disney Wish. What were y'all's first impressions? Oh, it was beautiful. I honestly got a little teary. It was just spectacular in Disney fashion. Of course, they announce your name, you know, as you walk into the grand lobby, they had characters at a distance greeting and waving at you. Every kid got a magical wand. It just was breathtaking how expansive and beautiful that atrium area of the ship was. Let's talk about your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book for this three-night cruise? And how was it throughout the three nights? Yeah, it was the veranda stateroom. We were on deck eight and it was midship. It was beautifully appointed in true Disney cruise fashion. You know, it had kind of that two bathroom. So there was a toilet and a small sink in one area. And then the second bathroom had a sink and a shower, which provided nice privacy. Very comfortable king size bed, a great bunk bed that pulled down from the ceiling, ample storage, beautiful deck, nothing but good things to say about the stateroom. Very nice. So let's talk about the food on this three-night cruise. And of course, Disney has rotational dining where... Now, does Wish actually have four dining rooms or three dining rooms? They only have three. So I'd be curious if I had been on the four-night sailing, how they work that. Mm -hmm. Um, But because we were on the three-night sailing, we we were able to go to each rotational dining once. The first night we went to the Marvel restaurant, which... I'm not a Marvel fan. My eight-year-old absolutely loves Marvel, so she was very pleased with the experience. I don't know a lot about the Marvel characters. To me, it was a big room with lots of screens, with a lot of video clips playing throughout dinner. There wasn't a whole lot of interactive experiences with the dinner other than just watching video clips on the screen. The characters did come through once, but it was from a distance and no interaction other than like you could see them walking the aisles. So how was the going from dining room to dining room to dining room with the same servers every night? That's a good question. I would say the food at the Marvel restaurant was okay. You know, it was mediocre, but they're serving 750 people at the same time. And it's all very choreographed. So within two to five minutes, everyone is getting their appetizers. Mm-hmm. Within two to five minutes, everyone's getting their main entree. So I would say that the food was so-so. The table we got seated at, I was so excited just to have kind of alone time with my girls. We got sat at a six top and I thought, well, how lovely. I have place to like put my pashmina and my purse, like an extra chair. Oh, a few minutes later on our first night, another mom with her two children, much older, mm-hmm. were assigned the same table. And that was a little awkward because we weren't expecting it. That family asked to be moved. So the first night it was a table of six. And then the next two nights we each had our own own table. And because we got split, we got assigned a new server okay. on nights two and three. Now, when y'all decided to kind of, or when they asked to be moved, did y'all discuss that? Like, you know what, I'm going to ask the maitre d' if we can get our own table tomorrow just because, or did you show up on night number two and they were gone? We tried to make some conversation with them and they didn't have a high need to have 
conversation. Gotcha. Um, and then she called the manager over because I had ordered a seafood dish on the first night and she made note that she was allergic to seafood and wasn't happy that I had ordered a seafood dish. And the manager like, it's my understanding if you don't eat seafood, you're going to be okay. Not, you know, it's just at the table. No matter where we seat you, someone might order seafood near you. And she said, this just isn't working for us. We want our own table. So we knew on night two when we walked in that there was a pretty good chance that we weren't going to be <laughs> right. with them. And then what rotational dining venue was next? Marvel. Then we went to the Arendelle restaurant. Absolutely spectacular theming. It was kind of like medieval times, if you've ever done medieval times, where it's a dinner show mm-hmm. plus the meal. I have to say that the live entertainment was spectacular for that meal. Of course, it's sing-along. It's the characters. It was very well done from a production standpoint. Very Food, cool. better than Marvel, but it's still somewhat mass-produced. Where we sat, maybe it was because we got a new table, it was a pretty blocked view from the stage. Mm-hmm. The music was still great. The characters make a very quick kind of run through the aisles, but there's not a lot of chance to interact with the characters. Gotcha. So no like photo ops or anything then? No photo ops. We asked how many people per seating, and they said I believe it was like 756 or 786 people per dining time that they gotcha. rotate. In the third rotational? The third rotational was probably my favorite. It was the restaurant called 1923. Mm-hmm. It was that traditional steakhouse. If you've been to Disney World, it reminded me a lot of um, the restaurant Brown Derby mm-hmm. in Hollywood Studio. Just that classic, lovely steakhouse. Fine linens, um, quiet. It wasn't like an overwhelming sensory overload like Marvel and Frozen was. Mm-hmm. And I would say that the food was a step above the other two restaurants. Okay. With Disney, do the menus, is it the same if you're at um, Marvel and Arendelle's or wherever, would it be the same menu or is each menu themed around where you're eating? Great question. Each menu is very much themed around where you're at. Okay. Um, Coming from the Dakotas, like there's a lot of Norwegians who live up in my neck of the woods. In fact, I took Norwegian in college as a second language. So a lot of the recipes had a Norwegian flair mm-hmm. to them in Arendelle, which was fun to see. I got to help my server pronounce them correctly on a few occasions. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But it was very different menu from mm-hmm. each restaurant. Gotcha. And then you have the buffet area at the top of the ship. I know they don't call it cabanas on this one. What's the name of the buffet? It's Marceline's Market. And that was so well done. We very much enjoyed the buffet experience. Lots of seating, great opportunities for grab-and-go beverages, a fantastic bar and coffee shop within the Marceline's Market, indoor and outdoor dining. It was self-serve for the most part. Mm-hmm. The food was really good. The only downside with that, Doug, was the hours of operation. Mm-hmm. So it was open, I want to say, from 6, 6.30 a.m., but it closed at two o'clock every day and did not reopen. Oh, so you had to do the main dining room for dinner? You had to do the main dining room for dinner, which was because on a few of them, like the Marvel experience, the food, even my girls were like, "Ugh, that was so, so. And I was like, well, we'll run up to the buffet and get some pizza or we'll go get a, you know, and then it was closed down. There was no food option past six o'clock at night. 
unless you did the main dining. You could do room service, mm. but there wasn't like a quick pizza stand open. Mm. Okay. How was the buffet area with the crowds and how did uh, how did it disperse everyone? The crowds were really manageable and they said that they were at about 95% capacity. We never felt like we were waiting or pushy in line. Um, they have something that's absolutely fantastic. It's like a food market out by the pool. So it's like, think food, high-end food court at the mall. So they had four or five different restaurants, so to speak, quick service restaurants around the pool. And the first was a take on Chipotle or Qdoba, um, where it was build your own tacos, burritos, bowls, great protein options, 10 different salsas um, that you could make your own. They served you, but you could order anything you wanted from that Mexican stand. The next was delicious pizza. The third option was um, barbecue. And it had a great barbecue ribs, pulled pork, mac and cheese, collard greens, sweet potato fries. And then the next was your typical hamburger, hot dogs, chicken breasts, French fries, onion rings. And then the last was my kid's favorite was the all you could have ice cream <laughs> that they served you. It was not self-service. Gotcha. And that too closed at six o'clock. Wow. Okay. So a little bit of limited options there for evening dining. That's one area that I wish would have stayed, even if it had just been the pizza or if two of them or even one of them had stayed open, like tonight it would be the barbecue stays open late and tomorrow it's the pizza stays open late. It would have been a really nice. And again, I think it's staffing Yeah. because most of the servers we saw during the day working at those restaurants on the pool deck or in the buffet were our servers that we saw downstairs at dinner okay. time. Gotcha. Makes sense then. Well, let's mm-hmm. talk about the entertainment on this three-night cruise. What did you and the girls think? Top notch. I mean, they just hit it out of the park each night. We did the show before we went to dinner. We saw um, a Little Mermaid stage production. We saw Aladdin. And then we saw kind of a, it was called Mickey at Sea, or Mickey's something like that Mickey and Minnie at sea. And that was really cute as well. But the production shows were as good as I've seen on Broadway. Nice. Are they making people sit like, is it back to normal in the theater? Like on my cruise, we had to sit like a chair apart and a row apart from each family, or is everything kind of back to normal as far as the It is the back to normal. There's no social distancing. Okay. <laughs> it was share popcorn with your neighbor. I mean, it was, there was no rule. Awesome. It was just come in and, and find a chair. Now, how about the entertainment um, around the ship? And did you have a chance to, to pop into any of those, like uh, like if the, maybe the girls were in the kids' club or whatnot, the, uh, what was it the Star Wars bar they have on board there? Yeah. The Star Wars bar was really cool. We got to go in during certain hours. You could go in during family time. Mm-hmm. So that was a fun experience. There were some really nice little quaint bars, some great live music from piano to guitar around the ship, I could not say anything but positive about the level of entertainment. The cruise director and the cruise staff did a fantastic job. Did you think that the Star Wars bar, did it live up to the hype? It was pretty small. Like it, the pictures, like what you see online, makes it look like a much larger bar than, mm-hmm. it, than it is. But I'm so glad that we did it. Um, I'm not sure it lives up to all the hype, but it's a cool space. 
I keep calling it the Star Wars bar. What is it? The Hyperspace Lounge or something Hyper like that? Hyperspace, right? yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, let's talk about the sea days. Well, actually, you didn't have any sea days. This was a quick little three-nighter to two destinations and back. So we'll jump across there and go all the way to Nassau, Bahamas. How was your day in Nassau, and what did y'all do there? We stayed on the beautiful Disney Wish. There was so much to do mm-hmm. on the Disney Wish from the new Aqua Mouse, which is like roller coaster meets water slide to the kids club activities. They had um, a fantastic like obstacle course, you know, like huge inflatable obstacle courses up. They had ping pong. There was so much to do on the ship and only having three days, we elected to stay on board the entire day and still didn't feel like we saw and did everything on the ship. How was the aqueduct? It was fun. The lines averaged on the low end about 20 minutes up to 45 minutes Mm -hmm. for the aqueduct. And I would say that the aqueduct has some kinks to work out. It broke down a couple times a day. So that was, you know, something hopefully they'll get worked out. But you'd stand in line and you'd be almost there just like at Disney World. And then the ride would go down. Ah. And then the uh, private island castaway key, what'd you do there? The castaway key, or key, it was really a nice experience. Lots of lounge chairs, enjoyed the beach. I mean, I called it the billion-dollar sand. There wasn't a rock in the sand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the clearest water I'd ever seen. They built breaker walls so the waves didn't, like, smack your kids and toss them around in the ocean. Great food on the island that was included. It was a really nice day. Very cool. Did you get to make your way down to the to the end where they do the like the steak lunch. Was it called Serenity? Serenity Bay. No, we didn't do the steak lunch. They have some obstacle courses in the water, at least the beach we were at, Mm -hmm. where, you know, you can like go with the ropes and then jump in or swing like Tarzan and jump into the water. And my girls were having such a good time with that until one got a blister swinging on the wet rope. Uh So our time got cut a little bit short on the beach because after lunch, they were like, can we go back to the boat? Like, (laughs) yep. When you're outside with the characters, is it still distancing um, with it photos? still distance, yeah. They still, like, made you put an arm out. There was no hugging or getting, you know, kind of shoulder to shoulder with the characters. Gotcha. And they'd have the characters on these buggies, you know, that would kind of go on the pass and wave to you. Mm-hmm. Or you could stand in line for a few of the character ops, photo ops, but you couldn't get any closer. Did your girls participate in the kids club at all? Not on the beach day, but mm-hmm. they did participate in Kids Club on the boat, and they had a really nice experience with that. Great staff. The Kids Club was top-notch. I yeah. mean, the the theming, the rooms, that felt fully staffed to me. Mm-hmm. Um, there was plenty of staff per kid ratio. They took safety and security pretty seriously, mm-hmm. as you would expect. One of my kiddos was like, you don't need to pick me up until dinner. I was like, well, I'm not leaving you in kids club from 9am to 6pm. So we'll, 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 we'll check on you a couple of times. Yeah. Did you get to check out the spa area at all? Maybe when you had some alone I time? Did. Yep. I had really good. I love, as you know, from, from other reviews, I love a good thermal spot. And so mm-hmm. on the first day with the ship tour, we toured the thermal spot. I thought the price was pretty high. It was a little over $50 per day mm-hmm. to do the thermal spa. It was a very nice thermal spa, but it wasn't as nice, I would say, as like a Norwegian cruise line thermal spa with plunge pools. 
It mostly had the heated beds, a steam room, a sauna. So I ended up not doing that because for the first day, you don't get on board till about one o'clock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my girls wanted to be together. The second day, I didn't want to do it because we were just having too much fun as mm-hmm. a family. And the third day, we were on the beach. Gotcha. So. I did not buy the pass. So you get back to Port Canaveral. It's time to debark. How was the debarkation process? Debark was smooth. We did breakfast that morning in 1923. You did have to vacate your stateroom, but they had plenty of spots to you know, leave your luggage, um, your carry-ons outside the restaurant. I didn't feel rushed mm-hmm. in the restaurant. Even when we got out, they didn't really push us to get off the ship, which I was surprised by. So we were able to do a few last-minute photos and we usually got off. We found our luggage very easily. It was as simple as can be. Customs took about a minute. Mm-hmm. Did you fly out the same day? We did. Yep. Mm-hmm. Took Disney transportation back to the Orlando airport. And then unfortunately, we had about a three hour, three, three and a half hour wait until our flight up to Denver and then Denver to South Dakota. But we just used some passes we had for the United Club. The United Club was well-appointed with lots of kids' snacks and good food and fast Wi-Fi. So it made the time go fast. Those airline lounges are godsend on those long layovers. Aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Especially with all you can eat gummy bears. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Any first-time tips for someone who may be considering or sailing Disney Wish? First time tips for Disney Wish. The first would be know that if your kids are part of Kids Club, they're going to give you a magic band. Mm -hmm. Um, What I didn't realize until the last day when I checked my portfolio was that they charged us $13 for the magic band. So I had $26. I just thought it was a complimentary. Mm -hmm. It was the way that they checked your kids in and out. They charged you for it. I didn't know it. I went to Kids Club. They said, oh, If you give them back to us on your last day, we will refund the money. No one told us that on the front end. So I think some people just walk off (laughs) the ship with her on the wrist. And maybe that's a great $13 souvenir. Mm -hmm. I was grateful I asked and could give them back and get that money refunded because there was no point for us to take them home. Second tip I would say is get to know the app. The Disney Wish has a very interactive, fabulous app. They don't do, it's the first cruise I've ever cruised on that doesn't do a nightly newsletter. Mm -hmm. So I most recently sailed Norwegian and Celebrity that in your room has a lot of paper at the end of the day from coupons to spa specials to the itinerary for the next day in activities. You won't find any paper in your stateroom at night. The only thing left on your pillow is the chocolate and all of that information is going to be on your phone. The other rookie mistake that we made was because I'm used to that paper brochure from other cruise lines that tells you what you need to know or a letter being sent to your stateroom, there was no communication about when our bags needed to be outside our room. So on the last night, I'm packing. It was about mm, 10 to 30-ish after we got back from like kids karaoke and I'm packing. I called the front desk and I was like, hey, by the way, I don't see any luggage outside in our hallway. Like, when do we put these out? And do we get, and she said, oh, you should have had them out an hour ago. And I said, how would I have known that? And she goes, oh, it's on the daily briefing on the TV. You should be watching that every day. Yeah. Okay. I was like, okay. News to me. Mm -hmm. I just think there's a few of those things. If you're an avid Disney cruiser, you would 
you would know that. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't in my state room a whole lot. When we were, we didn't have the TV on. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Gotcha. Well, looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for y'all? The biggest highlight, I think, number one, just being on such a beautiful, well-equipped, brand-new ship. Being with my girls for four days in the Caribbean was fantastic. The aqua mouse was definitely a highlight. The fireworks at sea were great. I was really impressed with kind of that food court options throughout the day. And the staff, overall, the staff was really accommodating and friendly. We did a behind-the-scenes tour as well in one of our days. That was a highlight for us to get to know some of the nooks and crannies and the um, thought process behind the building. That's such a beautiful ship. Did you get the Wi-Fi by chance? We did not get the Wi-Fi. Okay. I read on some ships where they're now doing it instead of, I guess they do it, I've always done a package like doing it by, I guess, megabyte or whatever, but now they're doing some actual packages where like unlimited or at least testing them. I think it might be on Wonder though, and that's it right now. I was just wondering if it was like migrated over there yet. It has not. I was surprised. I was able to get iMessages out my first two days. For whatever reason, when I took my cell phone on Castaway Key, the iMessages, I couldn't get them to work again for the rest of the trip. Huh. Yeah, that's funny. Sometimes when you buy the, when you don't buy the, the package, but the iMessage works randomly sometimes, but sometimes it doesn't. It's like almost like someone almost forgets to turn the switch off or something, you know? Yep. It's like, yep. oh, I was like, gosh, we had it. We had it. Yeah. And we took the phone off the boat and they were like, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> well, in closing here, your final thoughts of Disney Wish. It's a great ship. Disney knows how to um, just treat families of all different ages really well. I think that they have some small growth areas, but nothing that Disney can't overcome. I would say their biggest growth area is just their staffing right now. Those are a lot of wonderful, hardworking staff. There just needs to be a few more of them on the ship. Yeah, gotcha. Very good. We've been talking with Kristen about her three-night cruise on Disney Wish with her two daughters. Kristen, as always, so great to talk to you. And thank you so much for sharing this experience of Disney Wish. Thanks, Doug. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.